beautiful song and to know that came out of her prayer life out of her heart means that much more well guys the busy season is upon us blessings of God all around us and you know I, I get to talk a whole lot you know being a preacher but I want to hear from you guys tonight as we meet at five o'clock I want to hear from you how has God blessed you this year what are you thankful for? What has He done? And as we come together, to I want to hear what God's doing. And I'm excited. I, I know the last couple of years we've done this has been a real blessing to me and I think to the whole church family. And then, of course, after we reminisce about His blessings and then have a chance to share His remembering His death through communion, have a chance to eat together. What, what a great time. Also remember, I don't want to go through, we've got so many announcements, please just uh, look through the bulletin, but with the power force around the corner, I, I know anyone who's interested in help hosting the feet, uh, the team would be a blessing, uh, several open slots there, and um, the council as well, we want to be more organized and council this year, and just look forward to the movement of God, so hopefully uh, that will be a, a blessing for all of us. Is there a problem, Jeff, with the coming through? Yeah. It's on. I don't know. Is it not coming through? Okay. All right. I want to share a message called Blessing Beyond Belief this morning. We are all blessed more than we even realize. And we have a tendency to get stuck on our weakness. We have a tendency to fixate on what we perceive to be ugly or weak. Some of us um, worry about a physical trait. Maybe our ears stick out or our nose is bigger than we would like. Some of us, it's the color of our hair. Some of us, because we don't have hair. Some of us, because our hair won't do what we command it to do when we try to brush it or comb it in the morning. Going through that stage. Um, it could be a physical trait. Maybe it's a personality trait. And you wonder, am I annoying? Do people really like me? Do people want to be around me? We can be so introspective. <laughs> And worry so much about what other people think. Well, do people, do they like me? <laughs> do they want to be around me? Or maybe it's because of a choice we made in the past that hurt us. Or maybe it was some kind of handicap which we were born with. But there are things that make us feel ostracized. And um, anyway, guys, as I thought about all this, it reminded me of a person who was blessed beyond belief, but I'm sure he spent a lot of years wondering. One of my favorite accounts in the Bible, it's a guy named Mephibosheth. And I want to look at that this morning. Um, as we open up, it's in Second Samuel. Uh, turn to chapter 4. I just want to read one verse, uh, verse 4, and we're going to focus actually in chapter 9, most of the message. I want to ask you to stand in God's honor as I read 2 Samuel 4, 4 aloud. Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up 
and fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became crippled. His name was Mephibosheth. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the account of this man in your word. What a wonderful, wonderful account, Lord. And I just pray that you help us see that although we might feel crippled in many ways, we are blessed. And we have been given access to you, Lord, through Jesus. And we're grateful for that. And I just pray you speak to us, God. We need to hear from you. And we need to be reminded how blessed we are as we think about this great season that we call Thanksgiving. And I just pray, Lord, that as we leave, our hearts might in unison say thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me and what you do for me. Father, just speak uh, to your glory this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me share a little bit of the background. Uh, Saul and Jonathan. Saul was a king, Jonathan his son. They died on the battlefield. And it was a crazy time because they were going to anoint a new king. And when a new king is anointed, the family of the old king is often seen as a threat. And the family is removed, ostracized, sometimes executed. And it can be a dangerous time. We read about... David, and, and he was broken over the death of these two men. It says that he actually wrote a song honoring them and speaking about them. But the story tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 4, there was this little guy named Mephibosheth. Just a little guy. And his nurse picked him up and worried about danger that might soon be present. Ran with him. But in the hurry to escape... She dropped him, and he was injured, and his feet were crippled. And we don't read about this guy until chapter 9. We go five chapters in the Scripture, this one little verse that mentions him. We come to chapter 9, and we pick up his story. And as we pick up his story, guys... I want to look at his blessing and compare it to how we are blessed through Christ. And actually, before I um, jump into the points, uh, look at verse 5. Or verse 4. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Makur, son of Amiel, in Lo. Debar. You see, he didn't have any relatives that were left, any place that was safe to go. Mephibosheth quickly became an orphan when he was so young. And he actually had to leave that area. He went to a place that means barren land, a place on the backside of the desert, a place in local terminology we'd consider maybe a quarter acre on strip-mined land. Living in a shack, not a place that was famous, not a place that was plush and lush like the castle he grew up in, but it was a place to go. And we don't, we don't read about the time in between. We don't read about the detail. What we do discover 
is he grew up in this place that was the house of Makur. And I looked in the scripture, I said, what was this place? What was this family? Was there anything significant about this family that took him in? That saw his need? I mean, guys, this was a guy that was crippled. You know, in, in a land where there's farmers, he couldn't farm. In a land where there's shepherds, he couldn't shepherd the flocks. Man, he couldn't even walk to work. He was limited. He was crippled. Handicapped. And this man took him in. This family took him in. And, and it was interesting. As I looked in the Scriptures, I found out that Makur was the grandson of Joseph. Remember the story of Joseph and uh, Manasseh was his dad. And, and we know the story of Joseph where Joseph was sold into slavery and he kept doing the right thing and following God, but yet he ended up having tough situation after tough situation, uh, thrown into jail, years of suffering, and then God elevated him to a high position of authority. <laughs> and then we read about in Genesis 41, verse 50, that there's a verse about Joseph. It says, Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph, by Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. You see, Joseph had been separated from his family. Joseph too went to a strange place and there were nights, I'm sure, that he cried because he wanted to be with his family. He desperately missed his dad. He desperately missed his brothers. He desperately missed what was familiar. And that was nights of pain. That was nights of heartache. But God brought him through all that. And God gave him a new family. And God gave him a new life. And he said basically to God, God, I am grateful because you're the one that has made me forget my trouble. You're the one who's given me strength to persevere. And that's what he named his son Manasseh. And Manasseh had this son, Makur. And, and that family, I cannot help but believe that that became a family of compassion. That remembered what it was like as they had heard stories of Joseph or heard firsthand from Joseph how God had been gracious and merciful and supplied his need and loved him. And I can't help but believe that they too didn't become a family that loved, that cared. And I don't think it's by accident he ended up in that household. I don't think it's by accident he ended up in that family because through the pain and the difficulty of the past, that family, I believe, learned how to love. And I believe as Emil looked out, he saw that need and he took in that little crippled boy. And he loved that boy. And he took him as his own son. And he reached out to him. And he met his need. It was in a, a, a tough place but it was with a guy that had a heart that cared. I wonder if um, Mephibosheth growing up asked the tough questions. I mean, how could he not? <laughs> I wondered if times he was tortured and thought, man, what if uh, my dad had become the next king? And instead of being here on the backside of the desert on this piece of strip mine land in this shack, I could be in the palace enjoying the comforts. <laughs> Having all that nice fancy stuff. I wonder if you ever asked questions thinking, God, why did you allow my dad and, and my grandfather to be killed in battle? Why, why was I left alone? 
God, why did you let this happen? Or, or did he ever ask, I wonder, did he ever ask, Lord, why did you let that nurse drop me? Why did you allow me to be crippled? Or, God, was it my fault? Was there something that I did to cause all this heartache? To cause all this pain that I've experienced? Or did he even blame God and say, God, you could have stopped this if you had wanted to stop it, but you didn't. I don't know. The Scripture doesn't go into detail about all that. I just know how we are as people. So that certainly would not surprise me. But I say all that to say, you know guys, you too are royalty, just like Mephibosheth. You're part of a royal family because the Bible says that through Jesus Christ you have been adopted into the family of God. You are a kingdom kid and God loves you. And it may be that you too have such doubts. Maybe maybe you're troubled and you think there's this thing about me that is ugly that is wrong or there's this thing in my life this circumstance that's crippled me that's taken away my favor around others and and God I'm I'm broken and God I feel like I'm in a shack on the back side of a strip mine quarter acre of land and so with that in mind I want to look at what happened in this man's life, Mephibosheth, and compare it to our lives. How God blessed him and how He wants to bless us. So let's jump into the text here in Second Samuel chapter 9. And the first verse, I want to make this point to begin with. Uh, the king is looking for someone to whom he can pour out his grace. Look at verse 1. David asked, Is there anyone left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. David was sitting around the palace and he began to think about his friend Jonathan. He was a friend who stuck by David through the thick and thin. A friend so faithful, who can find? And he missed Jonathan. And guys, he, he loved Jonathan. He, he was a lifelong friend. And he, he, he thought, man, I wish I could just do something. Something to, to be able to, to say, Jonathan, you mean the world to me. And he got to thinking, he thought, I wonder, is there anybody left in his family? Is there anybody left that I could just pour some kindness out to? <laughs> and so he sent the word out, is there anybody out there? And the word came back about this crippled guy named Mephibosheth. You know, I, I say that as I look out there, and I believe that's, we still, that's God, guys. I believe God is looking out, and He says, Is there anybody out there to whom I can pour out my grace? Is there anybody out there to whom I can show my love? The love that was won at Calvary through the death of my Son, Jesus Christ. And He's looking. The Word says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Looking, searching in order to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward them. He's looking. He was looking for this relative and he looks today for those who are not related to Jonathan, but who are related to Jesus. Who know the blessing of the Savior. Listen, this is from Romans eight fifteen and through 17. 
For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. If indeed we may share in his suffering so that we may share in his glory. The king is looking. Second point, the king is personally concerned about his kingdom kids. Uh, Look at verses 3 and 4. The king asked, is there no one left of the house of Saul whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of Makor, son of Amiel, in Lodabar. You know, it encourages me here as, as I look at this. I don't know how accurate it is, but I looked on the internet and I thought, you know, how many Christians are there? I mean, how do you get a count, right? But uh, looking on Wikipedia, it knows everything, doesn't it, Wikipedia? They claim, you know, that there's some 2.1 billion Christians in the world. For those who uh, align themselves with Christianity. You know what's really cool about that, as I thought? Is there's 2.1 billion believers that God's never focused on the crowd. God's always focused on the child. David wasn't interested in a census just to find out information. He wasn't just into gathering facts. He wanted faces. He wanted people. He wanted the personal touch. He wanted the personal encounter. He wanted to personally bless. Not from a distance. Not just a huge group of people. One on one. And that's God. God looks out at the crowd, but He sees the child. God looks in the congregation, but He sees each child. Because that is the love of our God. That's how He looks. Listen, this is Psalm 5.3. It says, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. God doesn't hear 2.1 billion voices. He hears your voice. Isn't that great? And and listen to this uh, from John 10. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. God is so personal. (laughs) He knows our voice. We know His voice. There's this connection. David was looking for a connection. Our God is looking for a connection to bestow His blessing on His kids. Third, God used His power to bestow His blessing. Look at uh, verse 5. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Mechur, son of Amiel. David didn't show up physically, to meet him. He sent someone. Often when God is about to give out his blessings, he sends someone. Whether it's an angel, whether it's a Christian, there's a number of ways he may choose to give his blessing. He might even give it through an enemy. You know, he can do that stuff. <laughs> Maybe you heard about the little old lady who loved the Lord and She'd stand out on her porch every morning. She'd raise her hands up and she'd say, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Well, this atheist moved next door. So every morning when she got out and raised her hands and yelled, he'd, he'd go out there and he'd yell, There is no Lord! Well, this went on back and forth. 
till winter came. This old lady got out one morning. She said, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Lord, you know I'm hungry. You know I'm out of food. Lord, you are the God that meets needs, Lord. Give me food, Lord. Meet my need. Well, she got out the next morning and she looked on her porch. There were two bags full of groceries. She raised her hands and she said, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, the God who meets my need, the God who has given me these groceries. About that time, that neighbor jumped out and he said, There is no Lord, I bought those groceries. So she raised her hands back up and she said, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, the God who meets my needs and even gets the devil to pay for it. God, you don't know how He's going to give the blessing. The good news is He gives the blessing. He provided for Mephibosheth. He still provides, guys. He provides for you and me. Next point. Mephibosheth submitted himself in the presence of the king. Look at at verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth... Your servant, he replied. You know, Mephibosheth, he didn't waste any time. He fell to his knees. He understood who was in charge. He fell to his knees. And he said, I'm your servant. You know, the quicker we do that, the quicker we can receive blessing. A lot of times we block the blessing because we want to be in charge. Uh, Cindy and I went Thursday night to hear uh, the daughter of Billy and Ruth Graham at Virginia Intermont. She was there and, and spoke in the auditorium. And it was a blessing. And one of the things, uh, and her name is Ruth, one of the things Ruth shared was that she has the personality who always wants to be in control. And she wants to be in control of everything. And it just drives her crazy when she's not. And she said, but God's working on her. She said, you know, they'll have different conferences. She always goes to the one about being uh, you know, in control. She said, maybe one of these days it'll kick in and work. But as she got to the end of her message, she said that back at the end of September, she got this phone call. And her husband had been in a very tragic accident to get to the hospital. And so she drove to the hospital. And he ended up, um, he lost his arm. He had a number of very serious injuries. They didn't even know if he would survive. And she went on to say that he did survive. She doesn't know yet the extent of the damage. Um, Doesn't appear to have very severe brain damage, but they just don't know yet. Anyway, she was just sharing, very honestly, she said, you know, I like being in control, and I was totally not in control. And so anyway, after she spoke, we had a question and answer time, and one of the people said, I know this is very difficult, but let's say your husband died. Would you still be able to speak about God like you're speaking now? And she said, I love my husband. And I would miss him terribly. But God would still be God. Whether he's with me or not. And his presence is still enough. 
His love is still sufficient and He would still carry me through. You know, we can always submit to God. There's never a bad time, guys, to fall to your knees. Because He is a God that loves you. And when you submit to Him, you can rest assured He He knows your heart. And He'll give you what you need to go on. Alright, next point here. I'm getting near the end. We don't have to fear God's leading in our lives. Look at verse 7. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. You know, I shared earlier, it was dangerous to be the relative of a former king. And I'm sure that Mephibosheth had some doubts in his mind as he was escorted to the palace. What are they going to do to me? And I'm sure when he fell to his knees, he was weeping and he was shaking. And he was afraid. Duh. And you know, I don't think it's by accident that the very first thing David said to him was, Do not be afraid. You know, we got a God that is a big God, and He is a holy God. And if He wanted to punish us for our sins, it wouldn't be too hard, because we're sinners. But do you know the command spoken more than any other by God to His people in the Scriptures is, do not be afraid. Why? Because God wants you to know that He loves you. And He wants you more than fearing His wrath, to respect Him as a God who loves you, who has your best at heart, who you can trust to guide you. Listen to this uh, poem. He does not lead me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step my path unfolds, my Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know. I only know this minute. But He will say, This is the way by faith, now walk ye in it. And I am glad that it is so. Today's enough to bear. And when tomorrow comes, His grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret? The God who gave His Son holds all my moments in His hand and gives them one by one. Last point, guys. Mephibosheth realizes that he's unworthy of all this kindness bestowed on him. I mean, the next verses you read about, David looks over at Ziba and his family. He says, I want you to take care of this guy. The land from his family, I want him to enjoy. I want him to have the blessing that came from, from Saul and Jonathan's land and family. And, and, and I want you to help him. He can't farm the land. He can't do the work, but you can do it for him. And Ziba said, King, I'll do what you want. And the blessing was extended. And Mephibosheth understood right there, I don't deserve any of this. It's not because I'm so great or or I did something so wonderful. And and he's just broken. And notice his response in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Man, that's some strong words. And yet the Scripture says that before Jesus I was dead in my sin. That He had to breathe life into me. 
and awaken me from death spiritually. Anyway, he understood. He said, I, I don't deserve anything. And we're all sinners. We're all in that boat. We don't deserve God's blessings. But He gives them because He's God and He's kind and He's merciful and He's loving. <laughs> He's God. He's a Father that cares. What a great dad to have, isn't He? What a great dad. I love it. Um, someone wrote Dear Abby and said, Dear Abby, I'm looking for a 44-year-old man with no bad habits. And she wrote back and said, So am I. <laughs> But the truth of the matter is, we all have some stuff. We all have some sin that God forgives. Because that's our God and that's who we are. I love this. I've shared it before, but it just seems to always fit so beautifully. When you think about how we are as sinners and the sinful nature, I think about the rules of a toddler. Rule number one, if I like it, it's mine. <laughs> Rule number two, if it's in my hand, it's mine. Rule number three, if I can take it from you, you got it. It's mine. <laughs> Four, if I had it a little while ago, it's mine. Five, if it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. Six, if I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. Seven, if it looks just mine, it's mine. Uh, eight, if I saw it first, it's mine. Nine, <laughs> If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And the last one, ten, might be my favorite. Ten, if it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> the sinful nature. And, and you know what's great about this is, Mephibosheth just comes clean, man. He just He's just honest before God. God doesn't punish him. God doesn't reinforce his true statement. But God, there's no mention here in the text that God takes a break, but He immediately bestows the blessing. He immediately gives to Mephibosheth this blessing. It's almost like, okay, you know, it's okay, I love you anyway. That He's communicating that. Guys, and He just shares it. It's just so great, man. And then you come to the last verse here, and... Of the chapter, verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. You know what I love about that? I think about that. Now, applying that to us spiritually, God, I want to be holy. Sometimes I sure don't feel holy. Sometimes, God, it's obvious to me that I'm crippled. But you know what? He still says, come into the palace and eat at the table with me. Man, that's just good. <laughs> you close with this illustration. Huh? Some years ago, when Ander Fuldays was 16 years old, he was already a skilled Hungarian pianist. Um, but he had a really rough year, and he was insecure and although he worked with all of his strength and all of his heart at his craft on the piano, he didn't, he didn't feel good about his ability. A famous pianist um, came uh, into the area, Von Sauer, and he requested that Foldays play for him. And so Foldays picked some of the most difficult works of the Masters. 
and he played these really hard pieces, and and uh, he 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 played with all of his passion and all of his heart. <laughs> and when he finished, Von Sauer walked over to him, and he kissed him on the forehead, and then he said, "Years ago, when I was young, uh, my great teacher." Uh, List came and he kissed me on the forehead and he said, I have waited years to find someone who I feel is deserving. Because when I was young, Beethoven came and kissed me on the forehead and he said, You are so gifted and so blessed that I want to pass on to you recognition of giftedness and blessing. And he said, so Liszt came to me and he kissed me on the forehead and he passed on that blessing. And he said, young man, I believe that you are the one chosen to have that blessing. And you know, I looked at that and I thought about that, guys, and I thought about us, but here's the deal. The Heavenly Father didn't look upon me or you. He looked upon Jesus Christ, the perfect one who lived the sinless life, who taught as clearly He is God, who loved as clearly He is God, who was God in the fullness of deity, and went to the cross, and He died, and the Father looked at Him, and He said, He is perfect, He is the sacrifice that's deserving, He is love. And when He looked on the Father, He said, it's the kiss of acceptance. But here's the cool thing, we get the kiss. Here's the cool thing, we're the blessed ones. Now, I share that because here we are on a day where we're supposed to give thanksgiving and we don't feel blessed, but you are. And so am I. And as we have a time where we respond to God in an altar, maybe you've just forgotten for some reason the blessings that yours. If you're His kid, you're His child, come to the altar. Pray. Uh, just share with God, God, I want to remember all the time how you bless me. I want to live in the joy of the Lord. I want to remember you bless me and you, you've, you've kissed me through Jesus. I want to remember that. Or maybe you've never... I don't know. You know Jesus from a distance. He's like a distant relative. But He's not the Heavenly Father. He's not the Savior. Jesus is not the one who's close. He wants to come close. He wants you to know that blessing. And and so we just talk about it. You just do like Mephibosheth. Bow your heart. And just be honest. And say, I need your gift. I need your forgiveness. Enter my heart. And He'll do it. Anyway, we have this time to respond to Him. Maybe you have made a commitment to Christ, but you've not been baptized, and you need to be. Because that's a way to identify and say, you know, I'm part of God's family, and I want God's people to know it. I'm tired of being a secret saint. I want to identify with Jesus and his people. You may need to come for that. I don't know, but I just want us all to follow him. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this opportunity to look at the blessing of Mephibosheth and to be reminded of the blessing of Jesus. And Father, I pray this morning that your spirit might move here and uh, Lord, that we might just say yes to the movement of you. What do you want to do, Lord? May we all just, like Mephibosheth, just bow immediately and say, uh, I'm your servant.
So, Father, help us respond. Lord, move as you want. In your name we pray. Amen.